Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis uh, with the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, uh, we're, this is a TriCast on WABC Radio and on 970 AM The Answer and on WLIR in Long Island. And half the East Coast could listen to us. And we have a full house today. Uh, we have some common sense Democrats, some common sense Republicans, except for maybe one. I don't know. Uh, I'm getting a bit. The show didn't even start. Oh, well, I'm not talking about you, yet, uh, Tony Carbonetti. Why do you think he was talking about Judge you? Judge Richard Weinberg. Uh, we have uh, a former son in law of President Nixon. Not a former son in law. You were the son in law of yes. President Nixon, Ed Cox. And we have the Payne, Ryan Payne. Uh, Talk about the, the markets today. Tony Carbonetti, chief Tony Carbonetti, from, uh, was uh, Rudy Giuliani's chief of staff. And the borough president of Staten Island, the great borough, Vito Fasella. How are you, Vito? I'm doing great, John. Great to be with you all. And Lydia, we have an exciting day today. I mean, the whole world almost came to an end today. Uh, what the hell's going on in Washington? Nobody knows. But uh, why don't we... We have a lot of people coming on today. Stand by for a lot of surprises. Let's go straight to... Uh... Michael Goodwin. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning writer of the New York Post. Michael Goodwin, are you there? I am. Michael, so... what the heck is going on in Washington? Can anybody believe what's going on? Well, that's why I tuned into the show. I, I, want, I want you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a remarkable uh, series of events that we're watching and, uh, of course, uh, the Attorney General's uh, remarks today were uh, did not clarify anything. I mean, they, they really just, find, I think, muddied the water a little more and raised more questions than he answered. And it was a very unimpressive performance, and, I, and it's Michael, not good enough. I want you to notice something. The, usually the FBI director stands next to the Attorney General. He, the, the attorney general only stood there alone and apologized because everybody was criticizing the FBI. What do you think that means? Well, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know that uh, – uh, I think, anyway, my, my guess is they're suddenly aware of the politics here, and they didn't want to uh, have the FBI director uh, – in a sort of political situation. So the AG comes out alone, uh, prepares a, reads a prepared remarks, in which he says there's nothing to see here. There's nothing unusual. Uh, there were, you know, we, we, we did this in the only way possible. Um, but none of, that, none of that rings true. None of it rings, none of it makes sense on the surface. And I, I, and I emphasize that that is the point here, just – you don't need to be an expert in politics. Uh, you don't need to know a lot about the law to say something wrong here. You're going to raid the home of the former president, and we don't really know why. You haven't really told us what you're looking for and why you couldn't have done it in another way. Uh, Michael Goodwin, they used to say so, – the old expression, me and you growing up, they used to say something is rotten in Denmark. I think we're changing it to something is rotten in Washington. Well said, uh, because this, this did not help today. And don't forget, this came about 72 hours after the raid. So they waited all this time to deliver a big nothing burger. 
Michael, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Let's be clear about what the law is here. Even if Trump were convicted of this document crime, this alleged document crime, that does not bar him under the United States Constitution from either running for or holding the presidency again. Because it's not a criminal statute, That's right? exactly right. Well, the other thing is I had to laugh. You can't accept I had to laugh when the Attorney General of the United States of America stood up there and says, we have equal justice for all. Mm. I, I want to know who believes that. John, right. what, what I want to know is they used to always make fun of Trump for not reading his classified briefings in the morning. So what documents does he have? Would he take some Saudi golf balls? <laughs> I, I mean, what, what, what does he maybe, have? Maybe it's the Martians. They, has it ever he happened? He took the Area 51 documents. That's it. I know a president Michael, has never been raided, but has it ever happened that even an individual was raided over some so-called classified documents? Well, and can't uh, Trump actually declassify documents on his own? I know they did not do, and that was a Mrs. Clinton server right. that had lots of classified stuff on it. And it's probably hacked into by foreign policies, and they didn't raid that. It just had Chelsea's wedding plans. Did they ask you to search one on, on Hunter Biden? I must have missed that, too. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so did I. And, uh, I. and I think we're, we're, we're talking about the heart of the suspicion, which is that this is a two-tier justice system, that Democrats are treated uh, more liberally and more friendly and easier by the FBI and the Justice Department, and Republicans get raided. Uh, whether it's Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. Uh, I mean, they stopped a congressman the other day and took his phone. Peter Navarro. Uh, Peter Navarro. So uh, you just have this sense that they are using the Justice Department to disqualify the Trump uh, operation and Trump personally, but also all Republicans. I mean, they they really look like they're they're determined to use the power of law uh, to play a political uh, takeover here. But they better be sure there's something there or it goes to Trump's advantage. Well, look, I think right now it's gone to Trump's advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that there is a a widespread revulsion at what they're doing, and it just looks like unfair play. And people don't like that, even mm-hmm. though they don't like Trump necessarily. They don't like unfair play. Um, the other thing um, is that uh, the oddity here is that the timing. So Joe Biden was having a reasonably good week or two, got some things done. The Zwahiri gas prices are coming down, got that piece of legislation through Congress. Uh, Trump is has been you know, sort of very slowly bleeding support. Uh, it looked like, you know, Ron DeSantis was was up and coming in, the, in all these different Republican polls. And I think this thing just scrambles all of that. It, it takes over the news cycles for days. So 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 Biden's accomplishments or gains are wiped off the front page, wiped off all the headlines. And and meanwhile, it looks like Trump is gaining support from this because he looks like the victim of, uh, of unfair play and, and weaponizing law enforcement. Michael Ed Cox here. There's no doubt this unites the Republican Party behind it. Even those who are not in favor of his running again, et cetera, are, are 
this is this is going to unite the unite just about the whole party behind them. Now I know uh, Michael Goodwin. I know um, Merrick Garland took responsibility. He said he personally authorized it. But just a few days ago, the former Attorney General under President Obama, Eric Holder, he made a bold prediction, saying that he believed that. Trump could face an indictment and so could some of his loyalists and he he anticipates it'll pick up after the midterms. Could he be psychic and he should charge, you know, a couple hundred bucks an hour like Miss Cleo? Or do you think that Obama and Eric Holder and Biden also know something about this? And basically Merrick Garland has now become the full guy. Um, Look, uh, in my column uh, yesterday, I quote from a New York Times story in April that I think goes to the heart of of your question, Lydia. And it is that the Times wrote in April that Biden had let it be known in the White House that he was frustrated with Garland and that he thought Garland was too deliberative and should be prosecuting Trump. Um, And the Times added that Biden has not said this to Garland directly, but here it is in the New York Times. So we have to assume Garland got the message. And I, I, I wrote about that at the time. I mean, this is Biden promised, right? You, know, you look back when when he appointed Garland, you know, the, we will not make the decisions who to prosecute. That will be made in the Justice Department where it should be made. Well, there you have the president signaling to his attorney general through the New York Times that he wants Donald Trump prosecuted. Now, is that what this is about? Is 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 Merrick Garland – so desperate to please Joe Biden that he's now, excuse the pun, trumped up some reason to raid him and search through his house in the strange, hunt for strange. Something? Now the yeah. other thing that another new revelation. Everybody says, why are we hiring eighty-seven thousand IRS agents? We go from twelve thousand to eighty-seven thousand. Well, there was another revelation today. They're all union members. They're the unions are forcing. Uh, them to hire 87,000 more union members. I have nothing against unions, but that's one of the things that uh, were, were, were came out today. Well, and, and there was an ad, the, F, the uh, IRS put out an ad in which it said uh, you will be required to carry a gun in some cases and to be prepared to use deadly force. Now, this is the IRS. Uh, who knew the IRS was armed? I, they run to hire IRS guys and hire border patrol to, to protect the borders of the United States of America? How about school security oh, no, I, agents I, I th- to protect kids in schools? I think they're taxing drug deals. They're taxing drug deals, so they have to go on drug raids now. And 75% of audits are done on people that make $200,000 or less. So that is BS when they say, oh, we're not going to go after the middle class, when that's all they've ever been doing. And how are you going to pay for those 87,000 benefits packages, John, and their salaries? They're going to have to make it up well, somehow. Well, take care of uh, whatever you can remember. And they have to justify their existence. When you give 87,000 people a job, every day they have to go out. And they have to justify their existence the same way if you walk down the street and you see the guys writing the tickets on the cars because they have to justify their existence, too. Where, where do we go from here raisers, now? Right? Where do we go from here now, Michael Goodwin? What do you think the next step will be in this investigation regarding the Trump raid? 
Well, look, I, I think ultimately the Justice Department is going to have to turn over everything it knows. It, this can't go on very long. I mean, Biden is in South Carolina on vacation, supposedly. But this story is, is not a feel-good story for the administration. Now, maybe they have something that turns the tables here. But my suspicion is that if they did, we would know it by now. History tells us that's not the case. They are taking a pounding over this, and as I said, it's it's stepping all over this idea that the Democrats are in a fight now, back in the game, for, and for the midterms, this makes this gives the the other side all the ammunition better, again now. So it better be more legitimate than the Steele dossier. Uh, well, that's right. I mean, it be, as I said in the column, it better be really, really big to justify something so extraordinary. But I wrote that column on Tuesday. Here we are on. Thursday evening, and still no real answer that would suggest that there was Michael, a justification. For we're going to have to go to a break, but Vito Fasella, the new borough president of the great uh, borough of Staten Island, wants to make a point. No, I just have a question, Michael, and, and we fo- the focus is on, obviously, the former president, but how many times has this type of situation been done for a prospective presidential candidate, which... If Donald Trump decided to run today, he would be the Republican nominee, in my opinion. Uh, in your great history and knowledge of history, has this ever been done in this way? Well, it's a, it's a very good point. And look, uh, no, I would say no. And I would go further, as uh, someone was making the point earlier today, that for that very reason, Garland should be disqualified for it. He should be recusing himself out of a conflict of interest. I mean, the entire FBI, which effectively works for Joe Biden, uh, is now uh, trying to prosecute Joe Biden's political opponent of the opposite party. I mean, we're back to 2016 when they're spying on Trump's campaign. It's the same thing again. They are now using the Justice Department to do the dirty politics of, of, of a political campaign. Michael Goodwin, thank you for everything you do. To tell the truth, that's all the American people want, to tell the truth of what the heck is going on. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you. And uh, right now, waiting on the line, we have uh, Hank Schenkoff from the Democratic Party. to Tell us what the heck is going on. Hank Schenkoff, what's going on? Well, look, I've worked in, uh, I don't know, 46 states, 700 campaigns all over the world, lots in the United States, worked for president. Um, what's going on? The world has lost its mind. Both parties are in very serious trouble. They're splintering. There's no center. And when things like that happen, people get hurt. Hank Schenkow, has there ever been a situation in history, well, maybe before the raid, where you had the, and, you know, both parties, they didn't want their incumbents to run? You saw that CNN poll, 75% of Democrats don't want Biden to run. you got a lot of Republicans that didn't want Trump to run, but now it looks like this raid has united the GOP and has galvanized support behind him. What do you think? I think Trump gets a bump out of this by people who don't understand that if you have documents, potentially, that don't belong to you and you're going to sell them, you violate the emoluments clause and you also violate other laws. So when we know exactly what was in the search warrant and federal magistrates do not issue search warrants off the top of their heads. They list the place to be searched, the exact location, and the exact items to be looked for. So this is not an accident. People have to stop lying to themselves about what occurred. The insurrection occurred. This occurred. It's wrong. He's wrong. Biden's out of, out of touch. And that's the end of it. We need new leadership in this country across the board. Ed Cox? The board. <laughs> Hank, I agree with you completely. And we often do you agree, know, don't ridiculous. we? 
we often do, and that's the point. I mean, this is nuts. We can't have a country that's run in this way and hope that democracy will survive. The issue is the democratic system. You cannot have people playing games with its content expect that somehow it will survive with the same content. You can't have what the Democrats passed the other day and call it a relief bill when, no offense, billionaires, no offense to anybody, get to keep uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, get to keep, get to pay cap gains on real income. You know, it's, it's just, and not put money into NYCHA. There's something wrong with this. You can't do these things. And when there will be an explosion, and we've had a couple of them so far, people should not be surprised. It just doesn't work. You can't Hank, do these things and expect it to function. Hank Shankoff. They, they want to hire 87,000 IRS agents. There's only, a, Forbes says there's only 1,000 a billionaires. So after you audit those 1,000 billionaires, what are the other 84,000 agents do? Who do they go after? Taxi cab drivers uh, yeah. for not paying hey, tips listen, or what? John, yeah, John, right. John, when they hire those 87,000 IRS agents, I'm going to redo my bar mitzvah, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works in life. This is this is also nuttiness, you know. You can't keep this stuff up. Part of the extraordinary nature of American democracy is truth. Somehow, in all of this, and and the the, the extraordinary historian uh, Timothy Snyder has written about it, saying the first the first casualty of authoritarianism is truth. And Applebaum, another brilliant scholar on authoritarian behavior, said the same thing. And on George Orwell wrote about it extensively. I mean, we're losing. We're we're not understanding what is going on around us. And you don't have to go on the left to find that kind of thinking that democracy requires truth. It's certainly on the real right, the real conservatives, the people that I respected and did not agree with, but I respected their intellectual capacity. Hank, what we have here is something else. Hank, this is Vito Fasola. Uh, just a quick question to you. You've, you've clever and successful political consultant. In light of what's happening in Washington and the latest uh, bill that's passed, you know, the Senate, et cetera, if you were representing a Republican member of Congress or senator, what what would be your approach uh, these days going into November? Well, you know, again, look, I'd have to look at a poll in the district or in the state, a senator if it's a governor. But my hunch is I'd probably put a laugh track behind some of it, you know, because it doesn't make any sense. And it's not even the expenditures. You know, the traditional Democrat left and conservative right argument has been that we're spending too much money. That's not what's going on here. We're spending money on stupid things. We're giving people who don't deserve it breaks. Conservatives and Democrats would agree on that. So you can actually make jokes about this. You put a laugh track behind it. Or you just tell people how serious this is because government is creating chaos when that is not the function of government. And the chaos is creating chaos, the, the chaos and disorder. The chaos Hank, is creating disorder in our streets. One, one last question before, because we have to take a break. The control room is yelling at me. Uh, is We both live in Manhattan. Who are we going to vote for, Carolyn Maloney or uh, Jerry Nadler? They're both friends of ours. This is not even a question. You're going to vote for Carolyn Maloney. Jerry Nadler voted against moving the Israeli embassy to the embassy to Jerusalem. He voted. He he was uh, for the Obama soft sell of control of the Iranian terrorists agreement. Um, he's not. I, it's just Carolyn Maloney. And, and, and he was on television saying, without smiling, without laughing. He was on television the other night saying there is no border crisis. The man is the man needs to be replaced. And Carolyn Maloney built the Second Avenue subway, which he also claimed credit for, is one of the three most effective members of Congress, deserves all of our votes. Get out, tell your friends to vote for her. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. I hope so, John. All the best to everybody there. All the best. Thank you. 
We're going to go to Ryan Payne, uh, pain management, and to tell us what the heck is going on in the markets. I mean, it's a roller coaster, Ryan Payne. It's been a damn good one, though, John. Uh, if you look at markets <laughs> since the middle you of... You mean me and you were right and everybody else was wrong? It's hard to believe that those economists that like to live in the past were not right. You and I, who are in business every day, had a better acumen about what was going to happen. Corrected. We call them historians. <laughs> it's a very beautiful euphemism for sitting in ivory tower and having no idea what's happening in the future and never running a business before, by the way, which you know makes them very, very apt to judge what businesses are going to do in the future. But I digress. So give us a two-minute dissertation of where, where, where we're going. Where are we? Okay, so where are we going is, number one, inflation is coming down. It's coming down quicker than was anticipated, and that was what the Fed was all about, right? We're going to raise rates. We're going to slow a red-hot economy, right? This is not 2009 when the economy was broken. The economy has been hot. They try to slow it down. Well, they are slowing it down. And all the while, we have some of the hottest employment, the strongest employment I've seen in my lifetime. Um, if you look at it right now, for every two uh, job of it, jobs open, excuse me, for every, yeah, every two jobs open, only one person is looking. <laughs> so when you start looking at that and you look at that jobs number and, from last week. And, and, and how do you have a recession? Why do you, I, these historian economists, how do you have a recession when the unemployment is only 3.5%? Well, it's a great point because since World War II, you've never had a recession when unemployment was coming down. And it's certainly not going up. And in fact, we have more jobs available today than we've ever had in the history of America. I don't think the job market's falling off a cliff anytime soon. I don't have a crystal ball, but just my guess can be very, very hard when you have an aging population. Um, you have businesses that are clearly making profits. The quarter's been way better than all these historians thought they were going to be. Uh, so for all those reasons, I think the economy's on much more firm footing or more resilient than the headlines would like you to believe. Tell us about your company real fast. Ryan Payne, Payne Capital Management, the greatest wealth management firm in New York City, with an office in Jacksonville and Philadelphia as well. Well, thank you. And on the line with us, I understand uh, we have we have Brock Pierce, the chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation, and to tell us what the heck is going on, should we be buying Bitcoin or selling it short? Brock Pierce, tell us. Uh, well, um, generally, I don't advise anyone to short anything unless you're a sophisticated trader because markets can stay irrational longer than you can be liquid, whatever the asset. Unless you know what you're doing, avoid shorts in general. Um, going long, um, you know, the old adage of buy, you know, uh, buy low is, is there. And so uh, it's counterintuitive. You know, people tend to buy when things are high, when it's exuberant and markets are exciting, you know, and people jump in at the top. Um, but the smart trader, you know, usually buys when things are low. And so on that basis, generally speaking, um, yeah, this is an interesting time to be buying Bitcoin. This is the one time that I would actually say, uh, yeah, yes, you should. And the advice I give is if you don't own any Bitcoin, I do not encourage you to um, uh, make a financial investment. I encourage you to make an investment in yourself. Go buy $20 worth of Bitcoin if you don't own any. If $20 is too much, go buy 10 If 10 is too much, go buy 5 yeah. You buy a little bit. What you're doing is you're investing in yourself. You're investing in your own knowing. You're investing in your own future. And then you can make informed decisions for yourself going yeah. forward. Hey, Brock, this is Ryan Payne here. And I, I, but why buy Bitcoin when I could buy, let's say, the S&P 500, where I get 500 companies that have earnings that clearly have an intrinsic value. You know, if I buy Bitcoin, I mean, it's nice to look at on a screen, but I mean, the reality of it is it doesn't pay a dividend. 
There's no profits. Um, and as store value of money, we know it fluctuates like crazy. So, you know, wh- why wouldn't I just buy the S&P 500 that has all those physical assets and buy just a digital coin? Like, what's the rationale behind it? Well, I'm not going to go too deep into the S&P 500 sort of bet. If that's the, the place where you want to invest your money, by all means, you should. That is the call it the, the traditional sort of thing to do. Um, this is an alternative asset class. And again, I mean, the first thing I would encourage someone to do is not to make a financial bet, but to make an investment of their their time and an understanding of what's happening. The world is changing. And this alternative asset class is so unconventional that it breaks the mold. It doesn't fit into any of the call it standard paradigm. And so the first thing you have to do is learn and and and, and try to understand why is this thing exists and why is it interesting. Now, to, to simply state what it is. It's kind of like digital gold, um, and, and you said that it doesn't pay a dividend. Uh, the markets have evolved uh, a lot since Bitcoin first started, and now you've got what they call DeFi or decentralized finance, which isn't really decentralized, but it's uh, a markets now exist where you can lend your Bitcoin and generate yield. Uh, the yield uh, markets do exist. Again, these are it's still early days. It's the Wild West, but the Wild West did become California, so – uh, in the beginning, it can be a little bit uh, um, uh, dangerous, uh, and Brock, it requires some training. Brock, uh, Brock Pierce, how many countries? Uh, I know you've been traveling a lot. How many countries are accepting bitcoins as legal uh, currency, or, uh, or whatever you want to call it? Uh, legal tender, which tender. is a very specific, yeah, de- designation. So President Bukele of El Salvador uh, made Bitcoin legal tender. It's officially a currency in that country. You have a bunch of other countries that are passing legislation. I travel around the world meeting with the presidents and prime ministers and legislators and things. I'm dealing with over 40 nation states right now. Uh, was just in the Dominican Republic for the government's uh, future of finance, future of money conversation led by the former president. And... Um, uh, uh, let's just say governments all over the world are very, very interested in the future and understanding what they can do to benefit from it. Yeah. And so what you're seeing is governments passing laws, what El Salvador did, making it like legal currency or tender is a big thing. Most people are making smaller steps, smaller legislative steps. And what they're trying to do is attract capital. Yeah, Because what we see yeah. is if a country passes legislation that is favorable for the future, that says we believe in the future – we want the future in our country. We want innovation. We want change. Some of the wealthiest, most interesting people in the world, kind of like Atlas Shrugged, start coming to your country. And, and you're seeing material impact as a result of it. We're coming. Thank you, uh, Brock Pierce. And uh, good luck. And uh, uh, we're coming up onto a break. And we'll catch up again real soon. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be uh, listening to Lou Dobbs and see what he has to say about the markets, and then we're, I think we're going to have a break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about congestion pricing, oh Senator Alphonse pricing. You, you want to give me a headache with congestion pricing? What a con game. You, you, that, that's a con game. Let's go, let's go to uh, Lou, Dobbs. Uh, Lou Dobbs. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. We got a full house in studio. Vito Fasella, Judge Richard Weinberg, Ed Cox, Ryan Payne, Tony Carbonetti, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia. So we don't have enough hosts. But I'm, I digress. On the line for us right now, we have uh, State Assemblyman Mike Lawler up in Rockland County. You held a rally regarding... He's running for Congress. That's correct. He's running for Congress. But he's mad as hell at what's going on. Where's that mad as hell button? I was mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, all of Rockland County, Westchester County, Putnam County, all the outer borough commuters are mad as hell over congestion pricing. I don't know what's a bigger scam, congestion pricing or cryptocurrency. I'm, but um, seriously, Mike Lawler, tell us uh, what I saw the rally. You were on News 12. Tell us what's the latest. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for having me, John. You know, suburban commuters are getting hosed here. This is nothing more than a tax on our suburban commuters And in Rockland County, where we're west of Hudson, uh, we have had limited rail service. Our express rail service was cut by the MTA, especially during the pandemic. They have not restored it to the levels that it needs to be. And so most of our residents are forced to, to come into the city by driving. And to tax them on top of the bridge crossings that we already face, which are astronomical if you try crossing the George Washington Bridge, um, it's really a, a sham. And, and so I put a bill in last year in the state assembly to repeal congestion pricing outright. Uh, I think the program needs to be eliminated. The MTA has been mismanaged for years, wasting billions upon billions of taxpayer money. Uh, and this is nothing more than a money grab. You know, they are not going to take this money and invest in a one-seat ride for west of Hudson riders. They're not going to improve our rail service. They're not going to improve our stations in Rockland County. And, you know, Rockland County uh, taxpayers pay $50 million more in taxes to the MTA than services they receive. We're the only county with a value gap in the MTA region. And it's unacceptable. And, you know, for the Hudson Valley, uh, the suburbs right outside New York City, uh, this is really aimed directly but it's at them. every suburb, Michael Lawler. It's every suburb. It's yep. for Nassau County, Suffolk County, Brooklyn, Queens, Westchester County, New Jersey, New Jersey, Staten well, Island, w- Staten Island, you know, Staten Island. You got people from the other president of Staten Island, Vito Fasella. How do you feel about that? So I stand united with Mike Lawler in this issue and opposing it because for, this, for almost uh, the same reasons, Staten Island, we don't have a subway system. We've been told uh, years ago that the toll on the Verrazano Bridge would revert to zero. It's one of the highest tolls in the country right now. And we know that whatever happens here, whether it's $9, $23, in five or ten years, that number is going to be 18 20 to 30 40 bucks a person. Yeah, so No question. And they're talking about 80 bucks for truck drivers. Who do you think is going to yeah. end up paying for that? The consumers will pay. So, the consumers Mike, Mike pay. I'm curious. How, how is this? I mean, you're, you're running a wish you well. How, how, how is this resonating? And is it possible to, to make this uh, across the suburbs and into Long Island a political issue come November where it can be undone if possible? What's your opinion? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think voters all across the suburbs – Uh, are very angry about this, along with, obviously, cashless bail and the impact that's had on our communities, Um, and obviously the cost uh, of living with inflation, gas prices. So these issues resonate across political party. I think everybody in the suburbs is very frustrated with what's going on in New York State. 
uh, and New York City. And this is what happens when you have one party rule. Mike, it's, uh, it's Tony Carbonetti. Where, hey, Tony, how are you? Where has this worked when they put this forth? They're saying we want to do it because it's going to be great for the city. It's going to be great for the environment. Where where's it worked before? It made London a ghost town, and they're looking right. to it, get it, rid it, of it now. It has it hasn't worked, and you know New York City is already struggling uh, because of COVID and the number of people who have left uh, commercial real estate in Midtown Manhattan because they can work remotely. It's struggling because of the rapid rise in crime. And now you throw this on top of it. And, and honestly, I think uh, Manhattan is going to get uh, severely harmed economically. Yeah, the restaurants will hurt even more. Yeah, and Absolutely. how does this help, Michael? So it's Richard Weinberg. How does this help the environment if cars are backed up waiting to try to avoid this every, tariff zone? And every it, it, single it, it, proposal, it, Mike Lawler, is showing that the Cross Bronx Expressway, the traffic there will increase tremendously. And who lives along the the communities that live there? People in the Bronx, once again, black and brown communities. Again, they'll suffer at the cost of these regressive policies. There's no question this is going to have a negative impact. It's not going to address the environment in any meaningful way. And frankly, I don't think that's honestly what it's intended to do. This is a big money grab by the MTA, um, and it's not going to actually address the issue of congestion. Um, And for for suburban commuters uh, who are already paying among the highest property taxes in America – uh, to add this on, where you're talking about the potential of $7,500 a year in additional cost to commute into the city, it's outrageous. And, and I honestly think voters are fed up. I, uh, I, I feel very good about our race uh, in the suburbs just north of the city in New York 17 against Sean Patrick Maloney. Um, you know, we are doing very well. We're up by two points in the most recent poll. And it's because voters want common sense. They want balance uh, in state and federal government. They're tired of one-party rule, uh, and we need change. And, and it's Michael Lawler, like all you have to voting. all you have to say to your people in Rockland County, if you think Joe Biden is doing a great job, vote for Sean Patrick Maloney. <laughs> Absolutely, he's been the chief cheerleader for the Biden Pelosi agenda. He's the chair of the DCCC. He's been arm twisting every single Democrat across the country to vote lockstep with Biden and Pelosi, and he's voted 100 percent of the time for their failed agenda, which has caused a, a recession here. Who knows, uh, Governor Hochul? Can someone explain to me why she thinks that with uh, inflation almost at 10 percent, with ridership on the subways like 60 percent, with occupancy rate in the buildings 40 percent, why she thinks congestion pricing is a good idea right now? Can somebody explain that? Why now? After 10 years of us talking about this, why does she want to do this now? For the same, for the same reason that uh, Joe Biden thinks the Inflation Reduction Act is actually going to reduce inflation. Okay. They have an agenda and it is to uh, to totally overhaul our system of government, our economy, um, and every policy that they implement is designed to destroy uh, our capitalist system. And Ma- that's what they're doing. Mike, this is Vito Fasil again. Um, let's not forget, first of all, this, this topic has been around for 35 years, mm-hmm. not just 10, 35 years that's they've been talking about it. And fortunately, it's not been implemented. But let's not forget, it, it's about getting cars, people out of their cars. There's a group of people who hate cars and hate people who drive cars. And we have to remember, not everybody has a choice when it comes to mass transit. They just want to go to work. 
They want to make a living and put food on the table for their families. They don't have the luxury of jumping in an Uber all the time or jumping on the subway. And the reality is right now a lot of people are driving their cars because they are afraid of the subway, Uh, an issue that I hope goes away quickly. But that's the case, and I'm curious if if you share the same view up in Rockland County. Uh, absolutely. I mean, listen, Rockland County and Staten Island are not that dissimilar. And you need you need to commute around in your car uh, to get from place to place, to get to the grocery store from your home. Uh, it's not like, you know, being in, in Manhattan where you can obviously take a cab or, or walk a few blocks to get where you need to go. And so, you know, their, their intent is certainly uh, to, to go after uh, the use of, uh, you know, fossil fuel powered cars. Uh, They, you know, their response to gas prices hitting $5 a gallon on the national average is to tell people to go buy an $80,000 electric vehicle. That is not reality for most Americans. And they can't afford uh, the high cost of of living uh, that we're experiencing, especially with inflation being at 9.1% and gas prices being at $5 on the national average. So, to me, fundamentally, for, for New York, we need to change course. We need to have uh, a governor in Lee Zeldin uh, who's going to fight to reduce taxes, reduce the cost of living, reduce government spending. We're at $220 billion in New York, the highest ever. Um, well, we, we're, to- hey, this is, we pay another $100 billion in New York City. So your two twenty and one hundred is three hundred and twenty billion dollars. Where we're sitting in the studio, before congestion pricing, we're out of time. Michael Lawler, good luck in the congressional race in uh, in uh, Rockland County. Remind everybody that if you like, if you like the job that Joe Biden is doing, to vote for your opponent. And God bless you, and we're behind you. Thank I you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. John, and everybody can visit LawlerForCongress.com to learn more. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we're going to be taking a break right now, and we're going to come back with the greatest senator that New York ever had, Senator Alphonse D'Amato. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now we have the pleasure of bringing in the greatest senator New York's ever had. And no, that's not Mama D'Amato speaking from the dead. Senator Alphonse D'Amato. And he had a great birthday party. The birthday I boy. There. I wasn't invited, but no, it's okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> senator D'Amato, I know you watched the Merrick Garland's uh, press conference. He seemed a little shaky. What did you think? I think it was a, a poor performance, uh, but I want you to know that the Trump uh, people better answer immediately, and uh, they absolutely have to say you can see everything. You know, we don't agree with it, much of it, but they have to do that. Otherwise, this becomes a disaster. What is Trump trying to hide? So uh, I, I think uh, the sooner... His team answers, and I hope they answer uh, immediately um, to, yes, uh, we cooperated. There was no need for this. We would have given them um, the, those things that they're entitled to. Uh, that should be his answer. But uh, the attorney general was kind of weak, et cetera. And now the ball shifts to the Trump court, and he has to play it right. You can't try to hold it out on some technicality, etc. Very, very important. And by the way, 
the, the young man who was running for Congress, who you had on the uh, program, what's his name? Lawler. Michael Lawler. Lawler? Well, Lawler is 100% right. This uh, um, stuff, this nonsense that the MTA is putting forth um, as it relates to placing a tax that could go to Lord knows how high on trucks and um, uh, individual vehicles, uh, it will hurt the city tremendously. You now have many people, uh, not only up in Westchester and Rockland, um, but many people uh, from Long Island, uh, Nassau County, Suffolk County, who are going to be impacted. And, and I have to tell you, you got these are the very people um, who have mobility, uh, who, who have good incomes. This will be the, the draw that broke the camel's back, and you will see thousands of people, the very people we want to keep in our state, who are hardworking, who pay taxes, pay a lot of taxes. They'll say, this is it. I'm not going to pay this kind of money to come to work. I have to drive, number one. Uh, you think you're going to get people out of their cars? Um, if, if, if they do this, you're going to lose tens of thousands of New Yorkers, and you know where they're going. Um, half of them will go to Florida. The other half will go to uh, uh, states uh, like Georgia, um, um, et cetera, in that area, because that's where they're flocking to now, because the taxes um, are, are not what they are here. And, and this will be it. And there's only one person, and it's a friend of ours, uh, John, who on, on the MTA board, the Metropolitan Transit Authority, had the nerve to question it. That was our friend David Mack. And, and uh, Newsday attacked him. Um, other people did. He was the only one who had the courage to say, we shouldn't rush into this. We shouldn't do this. And, David, I want to commend you for having the chutzpah to stand up and not just go along with another tax. That's ridiculous. Uh, the city is struggling now. And let me tell you, you put this kind of situation and force people uh, up to $20, $30 a day uh, more to come into the city, guess what? You're going to have a lot of people who say that's it. People yeah. who come from n not just New York, uh, but New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, even some from Pennsylvania, they're going to say, well, why should I? Why should I drive into New York? And Senator, what about the hospitals, too, right Senator, here in Midtown? It's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg, sir. It also affects people who live in Manhattan if they go below uh, 59th or 60th Street. You're right. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that is true. And, and, and how much do you think you're going to really decrease traffic? I'll tell you, it's not going to be enough to offset the loss of the taxes that these people who come into New York City pay. You're going to lose taxpayers. Jackasses, wake up. But Senator, they just go along. Senator, I want to ask you something very important about the Iran deal. How can we yep. go forward, this administration, go forward and negotiate yet another bad Iran deal when Iran has put out contracts against two high-level officials, Secretary Pompeo and Ambassador Bolton? What is that about? 
and and they continue. If it weren't for Israel, they already would have had atomic uh, weapon systems. They continue to move in that direction and threaten the peace of that whole region. And I tell you, uh, where the Democrats were at one time so strongly supportive of Israel, a lot of that is fading. I don't know if you notice it, but I notice it. And the fact is we've got to be there for Israel. And, and the fact is that Iran is going to try to go nuclear, deal or no deal. And we better be strong. And thank God Israel is because she's not going to sacrifice her people. And, and I say thank God we have them there as an ally. But uh, I have to tell you, I am shocked that, that – and, and by the way, Hochul's got a $10 billion mass of money that is not subject uh, to the controller of the state in terms of its spending. Are you aware of that? Huh? Incredible. No. $10 billion. She's already uh, uh, pissed away uh, close to a billion dollars on the stadium up, up in Buffalo. That's great to take care of your area, but you don't take it at the expense of others in this state. You're taking care of a billionaire? Mm. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We've never done it before, and here she was going to be different. She was going to, you know, be open with the people. That's not being open with the people. That is taking care of your uh, political benefactors who take care of you. Senator D'Amato, how about if if they actually enforced the fares? Because you have people that are not paying the fares. You also have ridership that's record lows because nobody wants to go on the trains because of the crime. Why doesn't she focus on that? And and then maybe we get get some revenue there. What about other what other ideas do you have? Uh, you and John Katzmatidis maybe to help build the revenue because it, clearly they want some kind of money grab. But you can't you can only get so much blood from a stone. And right now that's how New Yorkers feel. We we're tapped so dry. You know, you, you know how you get people to come back into into the city. Uh, you repeal that ridiculous bail reform law so that the police, who now in many cases turn their head away because they say, we arrest this person, they'll be on the streets before I get home. So the okay. mayor, Senator, the mayor of New York has asked for a special session to solve right. that issue. Why can't yeah, the, Governor Hochul call that? Why is she doing that? Put the pressure on and say to the leaders, let me tell you, if you want anything from me, I want to have a hearing on bail reform. And we have got to give to the prosecutors and to the judges the kind of authority they need to make our city safe. Otherwise, we're going to keep going down. Well, that's what, you know, that's, listen, we all know this is what happened in Nassau County. Mm-hmm. People were what? As mad as hell. As mad as hell. Well, the people in Nassau County made a difference. They were mad as hell. They couldn't take it anymore. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to come down to one issue. One issue in November. Mm -hmm. Whom do you trust to keep your family safe in New York City? That's right. And, And Governor Hochul has been there long enough to get a special session to call it. And to say, I'm calling upon everybody, 
because we need to bring safety to our communities. And it's not just New York City. If you read the deaths that are going on upstate, Monroe County, Rochester, and Syracuse, a place that I loved. I I lived there for six years. I mean, crime is rampant. Buffalo, we know what's taking place in, in, in a once great and proud city. And they'll be great and proud if we give the district attorneys and the police the authority to do what they must. And, and that is to protect our citizens. And by the way, if you're a police officer and you know that you've got somebody who's done a, a petty larceny, all right, or who's attacked somebody, they didn't use the guns, but they attacked them, or, or they commit a vehicle act, you're not going to stop them. You know, you're not going to, because you say it's a waste of time, and I endanger myself, and they'll be back on the street. So what's happening? All these mashings, and, and there are organizations now. The other we're day, coming to, we're going to have to take a break uh, in the next 30 seconds. Anybody else uh, has anything to say? Tony Carbonetti, you're never short for words. No, I think what, what the senator's saying is right. P- police officers can't do their job because their hands are tied. It's a great job. They're great people. They should be allowed to do their job. And, uh, Mr. Ryan? The court, the courts. Uh, no, I'll just second that. I mean, I think the bottom line is I live downtown, and you don't even want to go on the subway anymore. It's so dangerous. You don't want to go on the subway. Yeah. Ed Cox? I agree with that. Uh, Judge Weinberg? I wouldn't let my daughters on the subway. No, and that's the issue, right? You have the and perception. Vito, of the, you don't have a subway. We don't have a subway. We don't want a subway. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I want to <laughs> about that. And in a sheet. What do we stand for? Truth, <laughs> justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. We need God's blessing.